This is a Centre for Stories podcast. I'm Claudia from the team here at the Centre for Stories. And before I introduce you to our story this week, I'm going to share with you one of our upcoming events. On August 22nd, Penn Perth will continue their Spotlight series with a focus on Indonesia. This event series focuses on the contemporary plight of writers, artists and journalists in countries experiencing hardship and how that might affect responsible freedom of expression, media censorship and political interference. Spotlight on Indonesia will feature Perth locals sharing their experiences as people of Indonesian background, interwoven with political commentary, cultural observation and social history. They will also read selected works from Indonesian writers. This is a free event, RSVP via our website. You can find details in the information section of this podcast. We hope to see you there. Today's story is from our monthly dinner and storytelling event, Bread and Butter. On November 29th, 2018, Tammy Bucks shared her story with an audience of 40 people at the Centre for Stories. Tammy is a strategist by day and a storyteller by night. She is passionate about encouraging people to celebrate their challenges and triumphs through storytelling. Here, she shares her experience of living in her ancestral country of Pakistan and how her life changed completely in just one moment. So my life's been a journey of homecomings and I feel really fortunate to have established really firm roots in several places. And I feel like we're not quite sure what home means. Is it a place or is it a state of mind? And I've been exploring that concept for some time now. So I'm a Perth girl born and bred. My family's called West Australia home since the 1890s gold rush. And at the same time, I have a palpable sense of the Pakistani blood coursing through my veins. And I'm really proud of all the facets of my identity as a French-speaking Pakistani-Australian Muslim woman. So, (laughs) I'll tell you where the French comes in. I uh, studied French at UWA in the late 80s when it was free. So thanks (laughs) thanks to the government at the time. Um, (laughs) And I got a scholarship to go and teach conversational English in France for a year and it was a beautiful year of my life. Then I came back to Perth and... I was given the opportunity to go and live and work in Karachi in Pakistan and at a French bank, no less. So I seized the opportunity. Perth was known as Dullsville in those days. I don't know how many of you remember. Uh, Perth was a great place to grow up in as a kid, great place to come back to retire in, not so great for those years in between. And so... I spread my wings and I embarked on my adventure. And you might be wondering what living in Pakistan is really like. Is it how they portray it in the media? Is it like an episode of Homeland? Uh, It's not exactly like that. So to call it a country of contrasts would be an understatement. Like many developing countries, there is opulent, almost obscene wealth side by side with devastating poverty and illiteracy. 
And at the same time, it's home to the Oxford-educated uh, cricketer-turned Prime Minister Imran Khan and the youngest ever Nobel laureate Malala Yousafzai. So there is a huge dichotomy of the haves and the haves-nots. And I think if people have travelled around the world, there's a lot of countries that are like this. And so I'm fortunate enough to be from the educated and the somewhat more privileged classes over there, so I can only speak of my experience. And I'd like to paint a picture of Karachi at that time. Uh, it was the early 1990s, and I was working in the French bank Société Générale, uh, our office was in the Marriott Hotel complex, and so next door to us was Air France, and the building on the other side was the US consulate. So it was a very cosmopolitan part of town. And with the bank manager, Mawson, and myself, we'd be hosting events almost once or twice a week. We would do quite a lot of um, co-sponsorship with the Alliance Francaise, so there'd be jazz concerts and dance recitals and art exhibitions. And that was just for work. So on the weekends, it was me and my sister Alia and my squad of cousins and friends and we'd been invited to like Bollywood parties and glamorous fashion shows and charity balls and we'd be out three to four um, places every weekend night. And so Karachi seemed like uh, Beverly Hills on steroids. It was crazy and it was lots and lots of fun. And... Uh, I've been um, in Karachi for about 10 years, so I was surrounded by a warm and loving extended family and this fabulous group of friends, and it really started to feel like home. And then my charmed life came <coughs> crashing down in an instant. So it was 2002, I think it was June or July, and... I was, it was a Friday morning, and I, I remember clearly, I was, it was a Friday morning, I was on the phone to a client, and um, suddenly I hear this thunderous boom sound, and it reverberated in my entire body, and then there was this, like, eerie and, like, deafening silence. There was this whoosh, and then nothing. It was like... Time stood still. It was just like in the movies. Everything was in slow motion. And my gut instinct told me, okay, duck under the cover for, duck under my desk for cover. And I'm paralysed with fear and dripping with sweat. And then I look on the ground and I see blood and it's my blood. And I'm thinking, oh my God, okay, what just happened? Where can I feel this? And I felt something in my ankle. And so then... I don't want to look, but I look down and I can see my ankles cut, but it's only the size of a five-cent piece. So I was not badly injured at all. So I gained some, I regained my composure and then I'm looking out to the side of me and there's a glass wall that separates my office from the road outside and it has completely smashed into smithereens. And then there's this dust cloud of debris looming large like this deadly tsunami headed my way. So the adrenaline kicks in and I scramble up from under my desk and then I go into the main office and all I can see and hear is absolute chaos. There were glass partitions in the main office and they were all broken into shards and they'd been flying around the room and 
people were cut and hurt and Mawson, who was a very good friend, the bank manager, he was cut on his forehead on the back of his neck and I just took one look at him and I said, I've got to do something, I've got to help him, I, what can I do? What, I'm not hurt but he needs help. And so just straight away I said to him, okay, Mawson, let's go to my car and I'll take you to the emergency department. Didn't think about an ambulance. There's not a proper ambulance service over there. There is, but it's not as um, on the ball as it is over here. So we took our chances and I put Mawson in the car and then we sped off. And at this point, we have no idea what has caused this explosion. And we don't know what's waiting for us on the other side of that hotel complex but luckily the emergency department was about five minutes away and so I leave Mawson with the medical team and he's really well looked after they stitch him up I get a tetanus shot and then I drive home to my sister Ali's house and I collapse on the bed and I fall asleep within minutes and 16 hours later I wake up like completely in shock dazed and confused, not knowing whether this thing had really happened or whether it had been just a dream. But then my sister confirmed that it was on the news that a suicide bomber had driven an explosive-laden truck into the US consulate compound right next door to my office. And then I realised the nightmare was all too real and... This was completely out of our frame of reference. In 2002, I think uh, there had not been a single suicide bomb in Pakistan before that. We had never heard of such a thing. I think the only time we'd ever heard of it was the Tamil Tigers. We, it, it had not come into Pakistan as yet, and I think there was some kind of retaliation against the US bombing Afghanistan and using Pakistan airspace. So that weekend... As a family, we sat together and decided, do we stay or do we go? And my sister decided to stay. I thought that I was going to stay, but come Monday morning, I went back to my office and when I entered my room, it was boarded up on all sides and it was like a coffin. And then I sat down at my desk, but it was so claustrophobic. I just, I couldn't breathe. I, I couldn't be in there. So I left and I said to them, I'm sorry, I can't come back for this week and until you fix the glass because I don't want to sit in that box. And I realised that I was craving the sanity, security and slower pace of life in Perth. So Dullesville looked like a pretty good option at that time. <laughs> uh, and... I did eventually decide to come back home to Perth. And despite that traumatic incident, I've been backwards and forwards to Pakistan over the last 15, 16 years. And my most lasting memory isn't of that day, but it's the boundless love and affection that I felt from my family and friends. These people were so much like me and yet <clears throat> different somehow. It was as though my heart were reflected in a myriad of gemstones, each one shining more brilliantly than the next. These were my people, this was my tribe and it was a homecoming like no other.
And yet I continue to ask myself, is home an actual place or is it simply a state of mind? And I've come to realise I didn't need to look outside myself. It was within me all along. And so rather than be a place on a map, I feel like home is where I have a sense of belonging and I'm at ease in my own skin and I can choose to speak French or cook, cook Pakistani food or cheer on the Aussie cricket team or bow my head in reverence, praying westwards towards Mecca. So I feel like home is a dominion of my own making where I can fully and unapologetically be my whole self. Thank you for listening. If you enjoyed this story, please rate, review and subscribe to our podcast. If you would like to listen to more stories, check out our upcoming events, subscribe to our mailing list or find out more about what we do, head to www.centerforstories.com.